The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different religions. Hey everyone, this is The Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian. And, and Brittany. And, and our special guest, Brittany. Yes. Um, this is we have a live audience. A live today. audience. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Um, we're on episode five. I can't believe it. Yeah, me neither. And there's more to come. Um, I think the la- we've kind of laid a really good foundation so far of like basic beliefs. But you and I were talking right before the show, and we like I think this do. is the foundational episode for. You said for Buddhism, I believe for my side as well, for the Christian Baptist side of things as well. I think this is like the reason, for me at least, the reason my, this belief system exists. Um, Yeah, it's, this is, the ideas that we're talking about today are like at the core of why Buddhism is. Right. Exactly, and exactly. So, like, the other, the, the previous episodes have been somewhat foundational in understanding where we're coming from, but, like, this episode is delving deep, like, drilling deep to the core of why Buddhism and why Christianity, like, why, like, what is this about, you know? Right, exactly, exactly, and... I mean, not to hold the suspense any longer. I mean, we're talking about, even though they've probably seen the episode like, title yeah, already. Yeah, the titles are up there and stuff. Or down there or something. Um, yeah, we're talking about, We well, initially we were like, let's do an episode on like sin or dukkha or whatever, whatever the belief system sees as like a negative attribute to like humanity. And I'm like, well, I can't do that without the other side of it, which is like the redemption part from, from the negative so like the salvation or redemption side of things so it's going to be kind of a two in one you get two topics for the price of one yeah it's you know the idea of of liberation and you know contrasted to dukkha or suffering it's like you can't have you literally can't have liberation without dukkha right exactly there then if there if there wasn't one then there wouldn't be the other right and i'm kind of interested to see the contrast between like because when we brought up this episode before in in planning this it's like yeah we'll do an episode on sin and dukkha and you know they're probably not the same thing obviously um so i'm i'm interested to see the contrast in the two and you know the comparisons as well yeah yeah i think um kind of as an introduction to the idea um and kind of a comparison, <clears throat> just kind of an anecdotal comparison, honestly. Um, so there's like these kind of uh, questionable etymological uh, explanations of sin and dukkha. And I don't think either of the two are very like, either of the two etymologies, they're kind of apocryphal in a sense that they don't, I don't know how foundational like how rooted in truth they are but like so there's the idea that gets floated around that sin is like can be translated as like missing the mark 
and maybe that's way completely off uh but that's what uh, you know that's what i hear sometimes floated around and dukkha sometimes is also translated as as a wheel off like an a wheel with an off-centered axle so it's this very uneasy not pleasant <laughs> uh, thing and i i think both of them kind of have this this idea of just of just missing just not being quite right of of something yeah you know in a very i will mention i'll mention the one verse that it talks about that and um you know since i use the like i'm strictly like a king james bible guy like other other translations will say in this verse um like uh you know all it talks about how i'm just going to paraphrase it it talks about how all, all men are sinners and they fall short of the glory of God. But like the King James says, come short of the glory of God. There, There's kind of a, a different, like if you look into it hard enough, there's kind of a difference between the two wordings, but definitely like there is that like, like falling short of the, of the mark as you, as you said earlier. So I think, yeah, that the loose wheel or whatever, <laughs> was kind of a good analogy. Yeah, I mean they're they're poetic and very colorful, like kind of analogies. Maybe not completely, you know. They may miss the mark as well. Right, right. Yeah. In explaining exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, so. I, I, yeah, I could see that. I could see that, and I mean, I guess I can. I guess I'll get into it from my side. Um, so we're talking about sin from a Christian standpoint, and I'm going to kind of go exactly from my perspective, which is, you know, not the standard, you know, umbrella Christian belief, um, which I mean, I think as a, a, the Christians side with the fundamentals, it's going to be the same thing. But I think some things, some other um, people within the umbrella of Christianity might like disagree with possibly, but I don't know about that. Well, let's see. Well, like, what is sin? And I'm like, I, I'm like, okay, what? Like, how how do I define sin in a Christian world in like a sentence or two, like in a phrase? And the one that I keep coming back to is a transgression of God's law. But like, what does that even mean? Like, when it comes down to it, what does that mean? And really, like, in from a Christian point of view, you know, the universe is is at the uh, the mercy of God's will and God's character and like you know there's nothing that is that has been made that wasn't made by him and everything under the umbrella of the, this created universe is from his hands and uh, there are uh, there's obviously the the whole issue of sin so like what does that mean within God's realm of his creation and everything? the transgression the transgression from his laws i guess like a good way to describe it is what exactly like how where did sin come from like what is this thing <laughs> so in like in a timeline kind of a view we see sin entering with lucifer's fall lucifer was that archangel he was actually like the highest archangel in um, in in the angelic realm, and we'll talk about like exactly what all this means in another episode. Which I, I'm like fascinated by angel angelology and like the 
cosmology of like the biblical um universe or you know reality if you will um but so lucifer was this archangel created by god um he co he was the covering cherub he was these this uh the this cherub that was actually covering god's throne because you see in the bible there are four cherubs that surround his throne covering him with their wings basically shielding everyone from his light his glory um and lucifer was the covering cherub um and lucifer sinned like what 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 is that and i kind of want to like for some reason i feel like i want to ask you this like what was lucifer's sin and like like boiled down like what was it like do you have an idea um i think the the pat answer usually is pride yeah exactly yep it was his pride um what what was his sin really well he he wanted to be god he wanted to be like the most high um he lucifer wanted to exalt his throne above god's throne and being a creation of god he that, that wasn't that's not really a possibility but he still wants to do that because of his pride because of his beauty his beauty was his pride and he thought he was all that um so he he wanted to exalt himself above the actual creator above the almighty which was a sin because he's putting himself above god before god which we'll see in the 10 commandments that's one of the foundational laws that god gave man um so lucifer fell um god judged that and there were huge ramifications um lucifer actually took his idea and um and basically advertised it to the to the rest of the angelic realm and he took according to revelations um he took a third of the angels with him and we know there's at least a hundred million angels if not more because that's the only that's the highest number the bible gives us is a hundred million angels but there's probably more than that um so he took those with him and they they sinned um and in their sin uh, they they were kicked out of God's realm, uh, the, the third heaven. They were kicked out of heaven, and the sin that he that he uh, that he committed, and brought the other angels with him. When God created man, Satan or Lucifer, he's his fallen state is called Satan. He advertises his his plan and his will to the first created beings adam and eve and they they took the bait and that bait was to not listen to god basically like satan had like a like a threefold kind of deal with god's words he will question it and he will deny it and he will change it and you see that in his in the serpent's conversation with eve in the book of genesis there's the that like threefold plan there and with the with with Lucifer's sin, the angel sin, now this newly created species of man has taken the bait and fallen in their pride, basically. And with being 
with being convinced that brought sin into man's nature. Um, and you know what what is sin in that perspective? That's basically I've heard this analogy a long time ago, and I've, it's always kind of stuck with me because we see God. He's you know he's holy. He's he's a uh, I don't want to say perfect because perfect doesn't mean sinless in the Bible. Perfect isn't perfect has a different definition, but you know, God is the, um, he's like the standard of, of, you know, uh, moral excellence. So the absence of that standard is what sin is. It's like darkness is basically just without light. It's the absence of light. Cold is the absence of heat. So sin is the absence of the moral excellence of, of, God, the all, the Almighty Creator. So, <clears throat> so would the excellent, the moral excellence of God, like you use the shadow analogy, would the would the moral of uh, excellence of God like necessitate the existence of sin? Like, will like is sin unavoidable in that context? No, not necessarily, because. With God's creation, he it's a possibility that sin exists. And it's kind of in- inevitable. And, you know, I, like with with God's like all knowing, like timeless, timeless knowledge, like he knew it was going to happen. And that's why he made some plans that were hidden God from the foundation of the world until it was revealed later. Um, because he knew th- things were going to happen. He had this exact way to plan it all out. Um, but with the existence of sin, it was, it's not a necessity because God made, he made the angelic realm, that spiritual realm, those beings there with, with a free will. He gave man that same free will and that will, that free will was the, the opportunity to choose. Lucifer obviously did not choose in the right way. And it wasn't that he he didn't know the ramifications, and it's not that Adam and Eve didn't know the ramifications, but instead of controlling themselves, which it all comes down to an uh, like a mind a minded life, a mindful life, like you have to think That's relatable, huh? That's relatable. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I don't think a lot of Christians really like realize that. But when mm. it comes to the mind, it's very important, especially in this the age of grace that we're in now. Like the mind is such a huge thing. We'll get to that. Um, but the, we're we all we're all given a choice, and I don't know if the angelic realm was given this option. But in every cho- in every age of history, man is given a choice, and man is given basically a way out if they make the wrong choice there's always a way to redeem themselves or a fail safe yeah basically yeah the fail safe so that's i think that kind of defines sin i have some more stuff to go on to but i think that defines sin does that make sense or is there any question left open i'm i'm kind of like really trying to just boil it down yeah um, I mean, um, we could, I could touch on a few, few other things like the 10 commandments and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the only question that came to mind was like, you had mentioned the commandment that 
Lucifer had basically like broken or whatever um, of putting what was it no other god yeah no other god before god and Lucifer tried that by putting himself um, yeah and so a question entered my mind is are the like are the angels given the same commandments as man that's a good question and really we know very little like very little is revealed from the bible of what the angels have been told um i would i would venture to to say that they knew the ramifications or they knew what was right and what was wrong um especially when you see that like when when lucifer is telling adam and eve like hey if you eat of this fruit of the knowledge of good and evil you'll be like gods and the gods were the fallen angels the gods like gods with a little g as they as they say are angelic beings and the inference of that is that they do know good and evil so they do have that knowledge of what's good and what's bad like you you know what what's the right choice to make and like with the uh with the whole idea of him being being filled with his pride because of his beauty like i think he if he stopped to think or if he knew the if he if he was mindful of that of that fact he wouldn't try to exalt his throne above above gods and he wouldn't he wouldn't be trying to be like the most high and exalt himself above that so i think there was a choice and especially when lucifer fell i think the angels knew right away what was what was the ramification because when you study it out and this will come in the cosmology kind of portion of our study but like when the when lucifer fell he god created hell for the angels the bible says hell was created for the devil and his angels like that was the sole purpose of hell um, and when Lucifer fell, that was clear that, Hey, this is, this is not a good idea. And so that probably stopped some of the angels from following Lucifer's plan and Lucifer's, uh, his merchandise as the Bible calls it. So there probably was some ram- ramifications known and they, they knew good and evil in the angelic realm. So, and Clearly, like when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, God told them, don't eat from this tree. Like, you can make that choice. There's a choice there. It's available to you, but don't eat of it or you'll die. And like, so they knew right right away not to do that. Um, yeah, you as you see through like the timeline of the Bible, God gives certain commandments to men. Not, not really like, hey, this is what you're supposed to do morally. Most of the, a lot of the commandments two men were like this is how you're gonna deal with things like with the age of innocence i'll just do a quick like synopsis age of innocence was don't eat of this tree they fell so now it was their conscious and uh like with cain and abel it's like hey don't sin and if you do like if you do wrong sin lieth at the door as he says as god tells him uh and then that failed I think that the failure there was with Cain and Abel. And he brings, he brings, you know, the, there's 
innocence consciousness there's like human government with noah it's like okay now you guys are gonna like you guys like mankind is gonna kind of govern themselves so like if someone kills someone you know eye for an eye kind of thing you guys are gonna kind of like deal with your with your uh crimes yourself like he gave them a order of human government and then the promises to uh abram like if you do this you will be blessed if you do this you'll be blessed and then the law of moses obviously he lays out the the ten commandments and that's not necessarily jewish law because jewish law was the 470 other laws or whatever that he gave to them in the book of like leviticus telling them how to make it right because really he wasn't telling them the Ten Commandments is what you're going to do. He was basically saying the Ten Commandments is what you're going to fail at doing. So here's how to fix it. And in the Jewish in the Jewish law and the Jewish religion, that's how they were to fix it. Do the sacrifices, do the do the offerings, um, you know, how to how to dress and how to like what not to eat, what not to wear, all that stuff, um, which there were dietary laws before then anyways. But um, all of that, like the the. I think the Ten Commandments were really a way to show, like, if you want, if you think you're perfect, this is your, this is how you're going to measure yourself. And God never tells us to do something like to be right or else. He says, you're, this is how you would be right, but it, you're not going to be right because you're man. Because man sins just like, or man sins just like Adam, just like Eve, just like Lucifer. So he always gives us a way out, um, be it sacrifices or the ultimate sacrifice, as we'll see. Um, but that leads us to the idea of salvation, right? Yeah, basically. But I do want to kind of, uh, I'll boil down sin a little bit more because we need to lead up to the whole salvation uh, point by, like, why do we need the salvation like, why do we need a redemption of, of sort if, like, like, why do we need it? <laughs> so, like, the Bible talks about how there's no one righteous, no one's sinless, except for, you know, Jesus says that, you know, the Bible says that God is sinless. Jesus is sinless. He never sinned. Um, it talks about how, how man is man has sin man is like every man's a sinner and we are basically we have sin coursing through our blood like we just have that sin nature in man in mankind um and because we have that sin nature and that we are not sinless and that every man that's born is is a sinner that like all sinners are destined for an eter an eternity without God and that's that's hell hell is just a temporary thing it's actually the lake of fire is the eternal part um and you know it's like oh no that's horrible news like that's really dumb like why would why would we ever want to know that like we're all sinners and we all we all have a destiny that is without God like that that's pointless but I mean there's always the the good news part of that and that um, well let me pull up this here real quick 
because you know i i said that everyone's a sinner and you know mankind will always sin continuously and you know the heart the heart of man is desperately wicked and uh, all of that but paul paul describes uh paul describes that and he actually he lays it out kind of cool because he lays it out with the law he says uh, moreover the law well let let me i'm reading from romans 5 um let's see where i want to start I think Paul kind of really does sum this this whole thing of sin up really well. Um, I just really want to know where to start first. Um, yeah, Romans 5.12, he says, Wherefore, uh, as by one man sin entered into the world, that's Adam, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So he's basically saying, because... Adam was a sinner. All men are sinners. And, you know, we're all, we're all mortal men because of that. Because we've all sinned and we're all sinners. And he says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed. When there is no law, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after this uh, similitude of Adam's transgressions, who is the figure of him that was to come. Uh, let's see here. Uh, in in verse fifteen, it says, "For if through the offense of one man or one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many." So he's basically saying, "Sin for, by one man, Adam, but the grace, the gift of grace by one man, which is Jesus." And Jesus is called the last Adam, or the second Adam, uh, in the Bible, he he's mentioned uh, the last Adam was the the title he was given because, like, he was the one to end what Adam started basically. Therefore, by as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. And I think the 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 uh, verse that I'm trying to get to is verse 20. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And what is this grace? This is the salvation part of sin, and salvation comes comes next. Um, and that's grace. Um, God has always shown grace through the ages. He's like, the law was given as a way out. That, that's his grace showing. The law was one, like the law and the Jewish law, or, you know, even before then, like the promises, that was one way God was giving them a way out. He didn't have to, but he did. But through this age, the age of grace, the mystery that was revealed to Paul was that God, that Jesus died for all men and that we can be fellow heirs of Christ, which is a kind of another topic, but that we can that all men can be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and that's the full dispensation of his grace like it's never been fully dispensed that way because before sin was a kind of if and then thing but now grace is freely given like there is no if and then it's just Jesus died for all and 
all you have to do is stop if and thening. <laughs> like you don't have to do anything. You just have to remove your burden from from like justifying yourself or trying to make yourself righteous and trust in what Christ did. And I always, I think I mentioned this before. I always saw that as an analogy of like, say you are trying to bear your burdens like on your back. Okay, I'm just going to bear my own burdens. I'm going to take care of it myself. And, you know, God might have told Israel to do that. You bear your burdens, take care of it. Like what you do will suffice. But now instead of that, Jesus is like, hey, take off your burden, sit down for a second, let me do it. Like you have to stop doing what you're doing to enable to trust him to take your burdens. So like I always see trust as a chair. Like you sit down and let him do it. And really trust come like I like the word trust so much because it has the it has that connotation of bearing a load, like a truss of a house. You know, the the trusses are bearing the weight of the roof, you know, the structure of the house. The trusses are what's holding it up. Like, and that's what that trust does. So in, in this age of grace, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm always going to talk about the dispensational aspect because it's, it's so important in this, in the Christian belief, even though some Christians might not believe in like dispensationalism or like rightly dividing the word of truth with like a Pauline dispensationalism, like Paul is Paul is giving us the message for today, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but it's Paul's epistles. Um, no one can describe the salvation of uh, the free salvation of through grace of Jesus Christ without going back to Paul's letters, because Jesus, John the Baptist, the apostles, the twelve apostles, they never described salvation that way. It was always repent and be baptized and believe in the name of Jesus Christ. That name was very important to Israel. Um, the salvation was different for them. But through this day and age, salvation is freely given. Paul describes in whom we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The Those riches... I think he describes them somewhere else as the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchableness because it was not searchable in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh or the, the Torah or even the even the New Testament uh, apostles. Like you can't search that redemption out. Um, and it's that the riches, those unsearchable riches, these riches of his grace, um, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. And it goes into some um, dispensational stuff in there. I'm not going to touch on that right now. Um, and he also describes it in like Colossians 2.13. You being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having, forgive, having forgiven you all trespasses. Um, it even talks about in the next verse, how he got rid of the ordinances, the laws, like blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So that like looking at the law, the law really condemned man. Like that was the purpose of the law. It wasn't to make us righteous. It wasn't to make us, 
redeemed. The law was really kind of an enemy to man. Like this is like, we can't keep the law. That's impossible. Like, and Paul talks about that, how the law was against us and it was contrary to us. So the salvation from that sin was actually to get past the law and get, get to the grace of God giving you a way out because well, I'll get to the why in a second. Um, I think I have one more reference that I wanted to pull up real quick. I think in Romans 3, let's see. Uh, Romans 3.23 is, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Um, and this one kind of defines what that means. The next verse says, Whom God hath sent has set forth to be a propitiation through his through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So that forbearance of God showing that, that grace, um, some more, um, propitiation is like a big word that basically means like our replacement. Um, and again, it talks about through, uh, through faith in his blood. So basic, very basic, like what does this all mean? Like sin is an unfortunate truth that like all men have to face and that that truth unfortunately separates us from god like mankind is separated from god i mean that that's kind of shown in the the uh fallen nature of uh, of lucifer and his angels that they're separated like they're physically separated from god because God is in the highest heaven, and but Satan is actually in this realm right now, in 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 the lower, the second and the first heaven, earth and outer space. Um, so we can see that separation f- from God to man, but God didn't want it to be that way. God wants God wants mankind, and God created mankind and angels to dwell with Him. Like He wants to, He created all of this to dwell with it. Like the whole purpose of his creation was to dwell with it and like be with it and instead of forsaking his creation he gave us a way out of it and that was through the blood of himself he sacrificed himself through the strange way of becoming a man having that flesh and blood of man but sinning not at all but sacrificing himself as if he did anyways and then somehow like supernaturally in the in the heart and the eyes of god like that that sacrifice was so spotless so since there was no sin there was no there was no mark of of negativity in that in that sacrifice that was able to wash away all sins because that was the basically the blood of the blood of god washing it all away um and through that like through that 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 frees up man for eternity and we just have to stop striving for ourselves and rely on what God provided us and it's all about relying on God basically so I think that kind of boils it down in in a nutshell there and none and I don't want to uh forget the fact that God did that in love because he 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 loves mankind he loves his creation and he loves man like you know specifically because man was designed for a specific reason and he loves us it's not just an arbitrary thing 
but he does love people. He loves man. You can see that through the life of Jesus being a man. And like, you know, he loved the children. He loved the people. He loved the poor, the sinners, the weirdos. <laughs> he loved everyone. Um, and that's why he did it. And, uh, and that was, uh, that's really like, there's one verse saying God is love. And that's, he showed us the love through that. He doesn't want us to be uh, the sinners that we unfortunately are by nature. And he knows we can't not be that, so he made a, a way out. <laughs> that's the, the that's the gist of my side. <laughs> okay, so it's. I think like the, the, probably a simple um. A nutshell like very condensed nutshell is like that the idea of like of the the trust thing the putting like you know led kind of i don't know if you would use the kind of wording of like letting that burden go and like trusting uh trusting that it would be taken care of kind yeah. of yeah that's okay. exactly it that's exactly it and now there's a there's a refrain that i hear from you hear from a lot of like christian circles it's let go and let god and they always <laughs> say that about uh like your burdens like oh i'm so worried about this it's like just let god handle it but like that's more appropriate to like the sin and salvation issue not not so much as like not so much as really stressful yeah <laughs> stressful situation and people always say god won't give you more than you can handle yes he will because he wants you to rely on him like that's why he's that's why you go through such bad things because he doesn't want you to handle it on this your own he wants to take that burden from you so do you think other christian traditions would probably find your definition of salvation uh surprising i think I don't think they would find it surprising, but there are a lot of Christian beliefs, like different denominations and sects that will disagree because of the dispensational differences in like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's like, no, you have to be baptized to be saved. If you're not baptized, you're going to hell or you have to be as good as you can be, or that's going to, that's going to hurt you in the end. Um, and uh, like a lot of different things, you know, a lot of different people, you know, you have to be in our specific church or you won't actually be saved. Um, a lot of different beliefs out there, but I think in my eyes, it, we're, it's the simplest way, like reading Paul's letters. It's just the free grace of God and you just have to trust it. And that's it. You don't have to do anything. Okay. Yeah, cool. that's basically it. <laughs> And I did mention the mindfulness thing. I'll get to that probably in a different episode because oh yeah, mindfulness we'll is a way a of mindfulness episode or something. Yeah, yeah, that might be a good idea actually. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a question, Brittany? So God knew that humans would sin, like that Adam would sin. So. I yeah. guess maybe this is like a basic question, but like if he knew that that was going to happen, is it because he had this redemptive plan that he still went along with it? Like, why did he, like, 
why didn't he like come up with a different plan or something where like humans didn't sin like why did humans have to sin like like if he knew they were going to well his plan wasn't for man to sin but i think because he knew like the the inevitability of it that he'd made a plan before he even like made the earth and there's a whole background to it because he has a twofold plan to dwell on the earth and the heavens and the plan for the heavens was never made known to man because he didn't want satan to know until it was revealed to paul because satan was just so focused on taking the earth back and this goes back to some cosmology stuff um that satan was on an original earth and it's kind of like a gap theory thing um if you if you understand what that is but um god wanted to uh, take back the earth but he also wanted to take back the heavens lucifer or satan didn't know about that and probably still trying to figure out when the world is happening because of paul because that was never foretold of because everything in the bible is prophesied except for paul's writings and paul's doctrine and like that through a that through a loop in satan's plan um but the redemption of mankind was always seen throughout history and god is doing this for a specific reason according to his plan like let's it's basically like he's like age by age like different ways he's dealing with man is teaches us a different uh a different lesson about mankind like we can have we can know good and evil but we're still not going to do good we can have a government set up to help us with that but that's still not going to do any good we can have a law written down on stone right in front of us and that's still not going to do any good and it's really to help us realize that we always will need god so in the end we don't forsake forsake our relationship with god could um, you could you say that this, it's almost like the like the, the idea that like humans sin and will and there's this salvation aspect at the end could you say that that's almost like god's creative process of creating us to be i don't know to come to be conformed to his image yeah so it's like this is like you know god created you know everything like god created humans but maybe i don't know if created is like the, is the right tense like maybe he could you like say that it's still a part of the creative process that's actually very true because um because it, it, paul does talk about how we are like somehow in the spiritual realm which is very real it's not like a ghostly like abstract thing we are made like we are a new man like literally a new creation like under that that salvation it's he's i think i think it was part of like a being created kind of process in a way like we are being created as the body of christ like we are new men like one new man like it's being created is kind of a good way to put it um, not I like, don't think not like creative like ooh I'm gonna come up with something but like the act the act of creating is still yeah. almost like a dynamic ongoing process or something right or and maybe I like think... one of those like domino things where it's like he set it up and now it's just like going through 
the necessary growing process or something in a way very much so yeah because i think he again there's this there's this plan that he has and it is to get to a specific point but i don't think he would have created man going back to like why didn't he just make a different like plan um he wants man just like the angels to have that free will to have that choice and he wants he doesn't want a creation that is forced to love him like that is made okay you will love me because that's not what love is love is not force it's a choice so either way he he is going to have that choice available to his creation or it's not love and god is love so i i think it might have been almost impossible to not give that that um that creation that choice and that that love um especially when you look at what the responsibility with the responsibility of the angelic realm and now given to mankind like what we were supposed to be doing like we had to have that choice or it would have been impossible to to really have in place it's so it's kind of like it's an it is an absolutely necessary part of the process yeah like you couldn't have them you couldn't have a plan where People were forced, <clears throat> like, you know, forced or whatever, because that's not how it would work. So there's almost like a a necessity for things right. to play out as they have. Yeah, I'm not going to be happy with a relationship with a robot. Um, because uh, even if I make it as, like, as human as possible, like, it still has a programming that I that I put in it to like, like me and like to not hate me if I program it that way. But like having an actual person to have a, a love relationship with, like, is like just seeing that from a human point of view, that's like so, so much more rewarding. And like, that's what I would want out of a relationship with someone. Yeah. So that I think sense. in a way that applies to God, I'm not sure, you know, I, I don't know how, how much more it is to him. Um, and again, we're only told what we're told in the Bible. Um, but his plan is all throughout that. And I think it, there's some good detail and like hints of what that's supposed to look like. But that's a, that's a good question. Did, did that answer? Yeah. It also like brought up so many more questions, but we don't have to, we can talk about that some other time. I was wondering, I do have an episode suggestion. Oh yeah. If you don't, already have this planned out maybe like um uh like destiny sort of themed maybe not destiny but like i don't know what the right word is what's the reason for it all (laughs) maybe not for it all but like how things plan play out okay yeah you know what i mean okay yeah like fate versus yeah, because you talked about a lot about plans and how things yeah. play out. So, like, for, from your side, what what role does God have in the way things play out? Like, what, you know, like, the, the more subtleties of God's... Because he's, you know, omnipotent. So, how mm-hmm. does he... What role does he play in how... Um, like, yeah, how things play out. So. Yeah, I would love to talk about that. Like the overarching, like, 
like what's like what is he doing kind of thing yeah I would and be how very interested do yeah. in an episode like that. That and yeah, definitely, it would, it would be, it would be really interesting seeing the contrast between yeah, definitely. the Buddhist perspective. Yeah, definitely. I Speaking like of which, yeah, what's what's your story? What's your side of things? <laughs> so, so you talked about salvation and sin or sin and salvation. Um, and from a Buddhist perspective, there's, it's not quite, uh, the same thing, uh, as you could probably surmise. Right. But so from a Buddhist perspective, we have this idea of dukkha or suffering, um, which could be like the comparative religion equivalent to sin um if you were to make a chart or something um and liberation would be the uh the comparison the the equivalent of salvation right but they are also very vastly different um so so we talk about so it seems like it would make sense if I started talking about suffering first, but I don't think I will. I think I'll touch on like liberation first or, or nibbana or nirvana. Um, some people will use it, use enlightenment as well. Although some people actually kind of differentiate the two, but I won't for the sake of uh, simplicity. Um, but so the reason why I want to start with liberation is because kind of explaining why there's like this, this goal of, of liberation to begin with. And so a lot of people kind of equate or kind of use this metaphor with the, with Buddhism is the Buddha was like kind of acted as a doctor so he he's he first diagnosed the problem with humanity um specifically with why we suffer why there's dukkha why why are things unreliable why are things unsatisfactory and it it ties like if you look at the story of the buddha's life um it it really illustrates kind of in a metaphorical allegorical sense what he's getting at um and so in the story of his life uh, when he leaves the palace as a young man for the first time he, he grew up very sheltered in this palace his father made sure that he had that he would never experience suffering so he lived a very indulgent pleasurable life but he got curious about what's out what's on the outside and so he he left uh, his palace on several occasions and what he saw dismayed him and confused him because he saw what what people will sometimes refer to as like the three or the four divine messengers um, and they weren't like they weren't an actual like divine messenger but they 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 gave him a message that really blew his mind. And so the first one he saw was 
a, a sick person. And he told his attendant, like, what is this? What's wrong with this person? He's like the Buddha never, you know, or the Bodhisattva. He, before he was enlightened, he was never sick. So because his father, you know, made sure he would never experience unsatisfactory, you know, illness or anything. So it's like, oh, well, that person's sick. You know, that's what happens to us. We get sick. And, and he's like, what? And so the second one was an, an old person. And he's like, what's wrong with them? And his attendant said, well, they, they're, they're old. That's what happens. Um, that's what happens to us. And then the third one was a dead body, uh, usually described as like bloated and decaying on the side of the road or in a funeral procession. And he, he's like, what's, what's wrong with that person? And his attendant says, well, they're, they're dead. That, that's what happens to us. And this, is, this was news to him. He's like, wow. And he goes back and there's this great, this great concept in Buddhism that I love called Sangvega. And it's this kind of distraught, like dismayed realization of the futility of trying to get pleasure and satisfaction out of things. Um, maybe that's probably not quite like an official uh, definition, but like it's this like realization kind of like, wow like uh-oh and so he goes back to his palace and he looks around and he's like wow none of this none of this matters like i've we've i've tried like my father has tried for my whole life to keep me from suffering but look outside like that is happening that is inevitable and so he began to question, why do we, like, what, where does the suffering come from? Why are we experiencing this? And more importantly, what can we do about it? Because obviously, indulging in this palace full of wonders and, and sense pleasures, like, is not the answer. And... And so he, he left home to figure it out. He thought, I have to, there's got to be something. And the fourth divine messenger he sees is a mendicant, a, a, an ascetic practitioner of, of spirituality, you know, one of, the, one of the practitioners in their loincloths or whatever. And he's like, that guy seems to be like pretty at ease. I wonder why. And so he underwent years of of spiritual practice and training and he had many teachers and many many practices of which he implemented into buddhism but from a, what might be considered a more skillful approach and and it was years of practicing these these uh ascetic practices of like self-mortification and self-denial and almost like a self-punishment in a way that he realized, wait a minute, this isn't working either. Like I'm, I'm, you know, the story goes that he, he has undergone this very rigid practice of not even eating, um, like, a, but a single grain of rice a day. And he's like, just completely like just skin and bone. He, he said if he touched his stomach, he could feel his spine. And like, he's sitting there lethargic, 
completely out of energy and realizing, wait a minute, this is, this is like, I, I tried to get away from this indulgent lifestyle that obviously wasn't helping my suffering, but what is this? What am I doing now? The same thing, like the exact opposite, but the same thing, like there's still suffering. There's still, there's, there's still a dissatisfaction. And that's where he discovered the middle way between hedonistic indulgence and rigid, austere, harmful practices. And and then he, you know, sat under the Bodhi tree and uh, realized the path to to the cessation of suffering. And so people say that he's he's in a, a kind of a doctor in a way because he he diagnosed okay there's a problem with suffering and then how do we figure out okay what's causing this suffering and then is there a way to stop this suffering and then the prescription the four the the eightfold path and this is what makes up the four noble truths you know he he saw that there was suffering that's the first truth the second truth is where it comes from it comes from clinging it comes from ignorance uh, of suffering. Okay, is there a way to stop it? Yes, there is. That's the, sa- that's the third truth, the cessation of suffering. And the fourth truth is, okay, how? And so he, he, he pieced it together and discovered this way. And uh, as the stories go, discovered that way under the Bodhi tree and, you know, attained liberation from suffering. So liberation is, very simply put, the cessation of suffering, the cessation of dukkha. And how to reach that is a little more difficult. And we might want to understand what what dukkha and what what suffering, what this suffering really is. Um... And as I said, like it, this suffering comes from clinging, and this really, at the core of it, clinging is, is forming. At the v- most subtle levels, forming an idea of self. With things that are not self. And what, what is not? I mean, what. I want to say what is not self, but like everything is not self. But so we, we get these, this mistaken notion of, 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 it's almost a misinterpretation of how we relate to the world around us and how we relate to ourselves. And so we start, we start experiencing phenomena and coming up with these ideas of how it relates to us versus uh I don't know I don't know about verses but how how it relates to us and how it how maybe it's a part of us and then the suffering comes into play when it turns out it's not you know, our, what we've identified with fails to live up to that selfness because 
whoops, it's not self, and it's also changing. It's impermanent. So, and then that's where the that's where the ignorance comes into play because the ignorance is the the mistaken notion that there is this this selfness and this this permanence, this reliability, and the suffering comes into play when it turns out to be the opposite, and we're left confused. Whoa, why is this not working? And unreliability, you know? Suffering is kind of a a, 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 harsh, a drastic word to use for it, but like unsatisfaction, unreliability, I really like those. Sometimes unease, um, and so liberation comes about when we train ourselves, train our minds to stop clinging to these notions, stop these hab habitual uh, acts of identifying self with things that are not self. And the Buddha describes the five major components to what we view as self, which is known as the five aggregates. And I won't get into them too much, but like they, it's like the, the physical body and also, uh, perception and consciousness and, um, but as I said, I won't get into that, but those are the five things we really identify with that are not self that ultimately disappoints us disappointments is disappointment is another good word for dukkha um and so how do we liberate ourselves from suffering um so how do we liberate ourselves from suffering i mean simply put it's it's you know ceasing the the, the clinging but that's easier said than done um, and it's it's called a practice for a reason because it's a, a practice um, of it, it really is kind of unlearning our habituations of 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 selfing if you if you will and and that's what the eightfold path is about it's a structure that helps us uh, realign our lives with the with the truth of of suffering of you know unreliability of and the the selflessness and the impermanence of things and so he he sets up the structure of practice aimed at the ending of suffering uh with kind of three aspects and that's that would be like a, a a wisdom or insight aspect, a an ethical aspect, and a meditative aspect. Um, and this is what the eightfold path is. Um, and and so you the the wisdom aspect is like right understanding, or uh, skillful understanding. Right is kind of a problematic word in in that sense, but. Uh, sometimes wholesome understanding versus unwholesome um, and and also skillful thought and then like the ethical practices are like 
skillful speech, action, and livelihood. And then the meditative aspects is our right effort, or skillful effort, uh, mindfulness, and concentration. And all these eight pieces form the form the foundation and it's usually depicted as uh as a, a, an eight spoked wheel um and so these these eight aspects these eight dimensions help f- create the foundation of the practice that leads to the cessation of suffering and it's interesting it's it's worth pointing out um because sometimes it seems like so contrived like wow there's a a way to this ultimate truth with very specific tools. And sometimes it, it could seem a little, it could throw you off a little, but they are very specifically designed tools to get you to a very specific goal. Um, I mean, the Buddha n- never bothered with, with, with questions of, of the existence of, of a God or of, of I don't know several different like you could think of like uh, different philosophical conundrums that seem worthy of a religion forming around, and the Buddha's like no. I have only ever taught say of suffering and the cessation of suffering. That that's his main concern, and that's like really what he pinpoints as like the ult- the ultimate concern. Um. Because when you apply that that model to pretty much anything else, like it makes it it kind of nullifies other concerns in a way. Um, that's just my opinion on the matter. But the thing that's worthy of pointing out is that that the cessation of suffering is is rooted in the idea of 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 kind of, of liberation of release of letting go and the very last thing one lets go of when they reach the other shore of enlightenment is the practice itself and he uses the 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 idea cuz the buddha and buddhism has always been like almost annoyingly pragmatic and practical and so he says, this practice, undertake it like a raft. When you get to the other shore, there's no use carrying it further. You abandon it when you reach that point. And so, That's really like, interesting. so some people will say, like, oh, the practice is the goal. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily true. Because um, you sometimes you get in, like maybe like Zen circles or something where like the practice of, I mean, you are like in a sense practicing letting go with these practices. And so, I, I mean, I can agree. I can, I can see why someone would say that, that you know, the, the, the path is the goal, but there's also this idea of when reaching the goal, the path, the path is let go as well. So yeah, the, I, I like that raft analogy. Uh, that is pretty interesting. But yeah, I so everything. Really, I never really thought of it that way from like a, a Buddhist perspective. Like you basically have to like, in the end, forsake the practice. 
Yeah, and you're not forsaking it, but it's like again, it goes back to the practical thing. Like you've used this tool, and now, like you, you know, once you once you get the screw and you put the screwdriver down, it's right, not going right. to help you. Yeah. You just end up looking kind of silly, like carrying around the screwdriver. Like I did it, but I um, love it. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's, that's clinging right yeah. there. That's yep. attachment. <laughs> but I love it. I want to keep it. And. Yeah, and, and and like, I I, I have a comparative like, thing, uh, yeah, to bring up with that, like that's a really like I can apply that. Uh, kind of I can see that from like a Christian perspective, even though like, that would be just like one, facet of like if you go to like a bookstore, there's going to be like a Christian living, uh, section, and that's like what are we doing in this life, and like, you know you're suffering because of the sin in in your life and there is a way to let go because you know in in the christian perspective we we're like even though like i'm a saved born again person like you know the holy spirit's indwelling me i'm still living in this this body this vessel of flesh and the flesh has like almost a I guess it would be more of the spirit of man and like the flesh driving that to want to go back to the things that make you miserable. Like it's kind of, I think it is going back almost to like Satan's pride and how you just care about yourself and like your, your desires, not necessarily your like health, but like your desires and your like fleshly ones. Like I'll just go back to this sin that I always wanted uh, because it's comfortable and it's like self-gratifying, but like after, like in the end, it's like, man, why did I do that? I'm so stupid. Like you're just like continuing your, your, uh, your, your battle that's making you miserable and, and, you know, suffering basically. Yeah. And, uh, and from the biblical view, like to be able to let go of that, you know, the, there's that common refrain, walk in the spirit, not in the flesh, like walk, not in the flesh. Um, you know, walk by faith, not by sight, like walk by the spiritual realm, not the, not the physical realm. And, uh, you know, I think Paul says like things in this world are, are just temporary or temporal and, but things in the spiritual realm are more eternal. Like that's the stuff that really matters. Um, so like, even though we're still like in this body of flesh, like I'm still, I'm hungry right now. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean I have to suffer. Like I can feed myself and not have that, like a spirit of gluttony, um, which will make me suffer. Like, man, I, I ate way too much. Like maybe you should control yourself a little bit because gluttony is a sin. Uh, I don't really follow like the seven deadly sins that like the Catholic church kind of, uh, perpetuates but like gluttony is a listed sin in the bible and there's lots of different sins in the bible but um i like what you said like the self-gratifying like you go back to these i don't know if you said you go back to these sins or whatever um and like vices like you go back to the vices vices, yes and and there's like this like whenever like the idea of sin is brought up in buddhism like it's always emphasized that 
that like the popular idea of sin like doesn't really exist in Buddhism. Um, and that's why I said right. The word right was like kind of problematic because of the, the, the implications. But in Buddhism, when you hear right or wrong, um, and better yet skillful, skillful or unskillful or wholesome or unwholesome, um, even though that even is a little problematic sometimes, uh, there's like this, this, this clear distinction of like what what is a skillful thing versus unskillful well it skillful is that which helps guide you to a more liberated life um and in like less like i guess less buddhist way of putting it skillful things skillful actions and skillful thoughts like help you live a happier life. Would that um, be, would it be applicable to say like skillful is like kind of intentional and like intentional is part of it, but not okay. all of it. Um, okay. but skillful is like, it's it, you know, I'm trying to think of like a practical real world sin, like metaphor kind of like, I don't know. It's like, if your TV screen is messing up or something, it's not inherently bad to hit it. Like, <laughs> but it, you know, it's not going to help. Okay. Like okay. it beneficial is all, all another word. Like what is beneficial versus what is unbenefic non-beneficial. So it's like what, it, you know, practicality goes back to the pragmatism. What actually helps go that direction what actually helps mitigate and end suffering that's that's i i like that because from a biblical point of view that's almost the same as like in the age of grace because like nothing we can do can remove our redemption um we can't lose it uh, we're sealed unto the day of redemption but like we should still be wise about things we do and like the whole thing about like what's beneficial is like very appropriate to apply to that. Like whatever, like whatever edifies, like you, you should do that. Like don't do something that's, that's not going to be beneficial to not only yourself, but like others, other walks as well. Like they say, like if, if something offends a brother, don't do it. Like, like at least not when you're around them. Like, like, just don't do it. Like, you don't want them to stumble. Um, but, you know, there are other verses that say, like, whether you eat or whether I think whether you eat or or drink, like, do it unto the Lord. But I'm actually trying to think of uh, whether you live, you are the Lord's, whatever you die or when like whether you die, whether you live or die, you are the Lord. So, like, whatever you do, like, do it like, again, with intention and if it's beneficial, like for what were like, what direction you're going, like, yeah, be mindful about that fact. Yeah, and like going going back again to the 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 phrasing self gratifying that you used is like is is perfect because the unskillful things, the unskillful ways of being are 
inherently self-gratifying. What What is unskillful? Well, it's things that are building up this sense of self, this this mistaken notion of a of you know an in of an individual independently you know existing kind of and like so of course you will go to your vices um and gratify the self kind of build this build up this idea um and of oh what's what will bring me what will bring me happiness and um, so like, you know, overeating or something like, oh man, I shouldn't have eaten all that. Like that's, that's, that's a good, uh, like kind of analogy to play with because like eating isn't inherently unskillful, but it's how you approach it and what like your, your intentions behind it, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if, if you're. I'm going to eat five pieces of cake because that sounds so good. And I'm pretty sure that'll make me happy. <laughs> like, and then you're, you eat it and then, Oh, Duca, you know, like, <laughs> like, Oh, Duca. Yeah. It's like, you have that regret afterwards. Like, mm-hmm. and you oh, wow, know that, that you've done it before, but yeah, you, you're like, maybe this time will be different. And like yeah. in in some cases, samsara. in some cases, like you become numb to that fact, and you forget that you're actually you're like ignorant. suffering from that con- delusion, suffering those con- uh, consequences, um, and like you forget yeah. that you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a that's like the ignorance part, you know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. the delusion is is the kind of a forgetfulness of yeah oh yeah that didn't that didn't work and you know that you saying that ignorance reminded me of this sermon that i did once a long time ago and i made sin an acronym of selfishness and i went back to lucifer like i will like this is my like time to shine like and then the i is ignorance and uh the bible talks about people being willfully ignorant like they are like ignorant on purpose. Maybe they don't like, I don't want to think that it, uh, think about that. It's going to make me feel horrible if I eat this whole cake. Yeah. And then N is numbness. Like if you continue those, if you continue those patterns, like you're just going to become numb to the fact that like, you're going to regret this and like you almost hide the regret and stop regretting it. And you just like, let it take over. And, and like, so the cycle continues. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. yep. Yeah, in Buddhism, we have the 12 links of a dependent origination, which shows you where suffering comes from. And it always begins with ignorance and goes all the way around to, to suffering. And from suffering comes ignorance. And mm-hmm. so it, it loops. It's a feedback loop. The more you suffer the more you kind of forget and it's not like it builds up but like continues right right until you are able to like combat that forgetfulness wow yeah i I see a lot of comparisons there (laughs) yeah um yeah and again i think like in the christian circles it's more of like one part of like the christian living since we're unfortunately in this world like this is what we're going to have to deal with. So 
um, yeah, definitely a lot applicable there. Yeah. But I think we're going to, we're, we're running out of time. Um, <laughs> I think there's, there's been some awesome conversations that we're definitely going to revisit, um, some of those topics. Uh, but I think for, for oh, now, yeah, that's uh, any closing words at all on this topic at all, or I think we've, I've made, I've said my, uh, cliff notes pieces yeah, of it. I, so I think I've covered everything that I claimed to have claimed to want to cover, um, okay. <laughs> suffering and liberation. I'm, I think I covered some of that. Maybe not liberation as much, but. And you know, that, that same thing came to mind as well when I was talking about sin and salvation. Like I touched on like what sin is, what salvation is, but like, what does that mean to the saved person? What does yeah. that, what, what are the consequences? That's going to be a destiny topic or something. <laughs> Cause that, yeah. that's a whole nother episode right there. Oh yeah. Awesome. Well, I think, I think that's going to wrap it up. Cool. So, yeah. uh, thank you all for listening and watching. Um, we're going to be back in the next episode for more awesome conversations, um, more in-depth conversations and whatnot. So this has been the Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian and Brittany in the background <laughs> and Brittany in the background. <laughs> Thanks everyone. The background Brittany. Yes. <laughs> Thanks everyone. And we'll see you later. See you later.